You know, a, a wise man once said that any promotion is good promotion. And um, early in my life, I may not have understood that now doing the podcast and being in a band and, you know, the myriad of other ventures that I am involved with, I have learned that that statement is very true. People are going to talk about good stuff. People are going to talk about bad stuff. People are going to talk about stuff that you don't want to talk about, whatever. I just want to make it clear that um, if, if my name comes up in any conversations, please mention the Rojo Show, <laughs> okay? Because as always, if you're not sharing, you're not a fan, all right? And please, please, keep it clean. Shouts to Ian Tony. This is The Rojo Show. track black cody jones alumni of course yeah man um <laughs> been a minute since i had a musical intro so i'm just wilding off the the ability to say some shit and then go back and uh <laughs> hear it multiple times um episode 34 let's show de rojo um a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of things that have transpired in the last uh, week since I've talked to you. Definitely since the last show, since because me and Phil recorded that show on a Sunday. And then I guess I got spoiled by having the episode ready on Thursday instead of having to actually record the episode on Thursday. So I need to. I think I'm going to start recording the episode, recording it before Thursday. That way, on Thursday, I can just post it like right away, early and shit. But got some topics. Of course, we got to talk about the Super Bowl because it is either it has either given you life or ruined your life. Um, and with that, we'll talk about you know all things football. I'm talk about this nigga Johnny Manziel. We'll talk about that Apple error message that all you sheeple got. Uh, we're going to talk about Cabrini Green. And then we're going to talk about a little Kanye. And then I might throw in some topics. You know, because what I, what I really feel like I need to be doing is I need to be talking about shit before it happens. On some clairvoyant Rojo type shit. Like, when is the Grammys? The Grammys are... Um, the 15th, which makes that, uh, sun, wait, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, it's, it's on a Tuesday? I guess? LL Cool J is hosting the Grammys? I don't know how I feel about that. But yeah, I need to be talking about shit before it happens. Like, I'm about to talk about the Super Bowl, which happened last Sunday, when I probably should have been talking about the Super Bowl the week before that. But that was with Phil, and Phil's not really into football like that, as everybody kind of saw or whatever, or heard. But um, 
Yeah, I think I'm going to start like doing a little bit more research and trying to post the show before the day of. Or, yeah, have it already recorded, and then that way I can just post it on Thursday. Shablagablam. And not have to worry about people calling me, talking about, or texting me, talking about, um, can I get an advanced screening of the Rojo show? Can I, is there a way that I could hear the Rojo show early? No. Okay. You got to hear it with everybody else. Sorry. But yeah, let's hop into these, um, let's, let's, uh, let's get information. Why is nobody pointing out that if you say the title, it says get information? Why is nobody noticing that? You can't tell me that between Beyonce and the team of writers that probably wrote that song, because if we know anything about Beyonce, we know that she's not writing songs, okay? Is that information even out? Like, who wrote Beyonce's formation? I don't even know if we can... If they're letting you know that, we might have to wait until, um, we might have to wait until the the track list comes out or something. Alec McPherson wrote the song, music, uh, I don't know if that's true. I mean, we might have to wait until that song comes out. In the um the freaking um read the track list, but anyway, we know she don't write her songs. Okay, if if you're going to talk about writing credits, what's her name gets way more writing. Uh, Solange gets way more writing credits than Beyonce does. Like, let's keep it let's keep it extremely one thousand right now. Um, beyond beyond, I mean, I'm pretty sure Solange has written songs for Beyonce. I hate how much I'm saying her name. Beyonce. The the Grammys is Monday. Um But yeah, it's like So first off, first off, you can't start off a song talking about this ain't no Illuminati shit and then have like tons of Illumatic. This is a word I'm gonna put niggas on to Illumatic symbols in the song like the whole video was chocked full of illuminati references um illuminati imagery of course raven simone isn't a fan of it who cares why are we still why are we still looking for her to be a fan of black shit. Apparently, I can't even find it nowhere. I just want to... This will be like a video companion. You can... Um, you can listen to me watch the video. And my responses to it as the shit is happening. The first time I saw it, I'm not even going to front. The video was raw. Like, it was really good video. Um, I heard some people complaining about her showing, you know, uh, or depicting images from, come on, the flickering lights. 
dancing in the dark with the the fucking light only coming in from the window. Like, come on. And then I, I had a conversation with somebody. It was like, well, I mean, you can kind of find those kind of images and everything. Yes, definitely you can. But with the reputation that her and Jay-Z and Lupe Fiasco and Eminem, the reputation that all these artists have, they need to just steer clear from that shit. Okay, and if you don't know why I dropped Lupe Fiasco in the conversation with them, um, check out that flashing lights video, that uh, that superstar video. My bad, not flashing lights. That's not his video. That superstar video. Come on, there's a lot of imagery in there too. Um, I would feel like they would just stay away from it, but of course, you know, they keep mind fucking people into kind of seeing it and not seeing it. Or like, you know, uh, it being there, but, you know, we just going to play with people's heads in terms of throwing it in and not throwing it in. Uh, You know, depicting her own death. Like, let's not get it twisted. I really like the video. And I like the fact that she took the whole, you know, I guess she's partly part Creole or she got some family from New Orleans or... Down in the bayou type shit. She's really she she don't have she's really bouncing in this uh in that red outfit when she's dancing in the in the hallway. Easy jazz. Like I never really seen thought of Beyonce as a, a chesticle girl, but she got my attention. And yeah, I'm looking at her body because her body is tight. Nice body. Easy. I mean, I had no problem with the video. I only had problems with women, with black black women's inconsistent review and feelings towards the video. Like one chick, like she was like, you know, she posted, you know, queen bitch. Like, have what the fuck just happened? Haven't we got past the use of bitch as like some kind of um like I don't want to say it's not a positive term or can't be used as it but it can't be it can't be your first response. It can't be what you immediately um what is happening with my feedback right now? Hold on one second. It can't be what you immediately go to as far as how you big ups, you you show respect or you big up your your people that you admire, queen bitch. But then not only that, so it was, you know, everybody was on top of that. And then the, the Super Bowl performance came right behind it, which I'm sure was a a plan. Only today in today's media can you drop a song and a video and then basically a day and a half or two days later perform it on what could be the most transformative performance in America, in, in like a America mainstream, America's mainstream. Like, what other event could you drop a song or, or anything like that, I guess, and then immediately become like a headline like anybody that performs at the super bowl the next day or that that next week is on everybody's tongue pretty much if it's really good 
I mean, we didn't really give a shit about Paul McCartney. When did Paul McCartney perform at the Super Bowl? Was that a year ago or two years ago? Paul McCartney Super Bowl. Super. That was so. That was last year. Super Bowl Forty Nine. I mean, I don't want to say niggas didn't give a shit about that. I don't think many young people gave a shit about it. I mean, Andrea and Hector, who I'll have on the podcast soon, they're big Beatles fans. Extremely big for Mexicans, in my opinion. But, um, I mean, they probably were all, they probably were like stoked about it. They probably were very excited. But, um, yeah. I mean, Beyonce's performance was way better than Paul McCartney's from what I remember. And then they even shouted them out, you know, like they did the little, um, they did a, uh, it was Super Bowl 50, so they did like a short recap of like all the Super Bowl performers. Um, I don't doubt that many people didn't watch it. I know somebody who didn't watch it, which was like, I don't know, I don't know how you can just not find anything to entice you about such a all-encompassing event. I mean, I know people that watch the Super Bowl strictly for the commercials and the halftime show. Like, I know Barb has no dog in the Super Bowl fight. Um, Thanksgiver was a Broncos fan, so he came out on top. But um, strictly Super Bowl halftime performance and the commercials is is almost enough of an event in itself. But, um, see, I've, I've talked about this for 10 minutes now and haven't even spoken on the game. I haven't said anything sports-related yet. We're talking about Beyonce and the Illuminati. Hey, ladies, let's get information. I don't see how anybody isn't... I don't see how people aren't picking up on that. Get information. Because what, what formation are y'all really getting in? The doggy-style formation? I mean, the Eden formation? I know very few women who are like actively in some kind of like movement or protest, which could totally be my fault. Maybe I need to reevaluate re- the, the women I associate with, because most of the women I know are um, are like uh, couch revolutionaries. They type a bunch of shit. And they react to shit on social media and they like got all these strong opinions about it. Ooh, this is, this is this. Beyonce just gave me life and mm, she's, she's really, she's really putting on for the black people and the sisters. Or I can't believe that niggas be talking like this. This is, ooh, she said this right here. But the, the extent of their revolutionary actions begin and stop. At responding to post or posting things. If you could do it while you on your ass, it's probably not a revolutionary act. Let's just, and that's across the board. That's across the board. If you, if you can do it on your ass while coming to or from Red Lobster, which also got a shout out. It's not, it's not real. We need more people, my nigga. And I, does this podcast count? I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I definitely do it while I'm on my ass, but there's a lot of legwork that goes into, into it. There's a lot of other things that are involved. I shouldn't have put this clock thing on my, on my uh, garage band because now all I'm doing is looking at the clock. I need to change something. I can't be, I can't be 
trying to figure out how much time I'm using while I'm doing this. I wonder if that's it. I wonder if I can eject that and that'll uh, chill me out, put me back on time. Nope, can't do it. That's fine. I'll figure it out next time. But yeah, um, get information. I still feel like it's a call to like for women to like really be looking into shit or like to really be trying to um put their money where their mouth is. Like it's a they put a lot of effort we all do, not just women. I don't wanna I don't wanna get on that shit, but we all put a lot of effort into like um reacting to shit, but we don't do a lot of effort into like causing a reaction. And that is what I will definitely give Beyonce props for on this one. She definitely um, with her team, uh, caused a great reaction. I had a conversation with this other chick, and it was just like, like we all know that Beyonce has like a huge team. Like if you if you compare Beyonce to Jay Z, Rockefeller Records was started by Dame Dash, Kareem Biggs, who was really just a money man, and Jay Z. So Jay-Z had a huge hand in how he came across, how he presented himself. You can tell because there were some obvious missteps. I mean, when the whole Diddy um, shiny suit era was popping, Jay-Z tried to hop on that bandwagon with Sunshine. He admits to this day that he should have just stayed true to himself. He shouldn't have tried to follow the, the trends or whatever. Now he set trends. Hey, nigga. Uh, we don't wear jerseys no more. All we wear is button-ups. Everybody was on the button-ups. Hey, um, we don't drink, uh, we don't drink, uh, Cristal no more. We all about this Ace of Spade. Everybody's trying to buy 300 bottles of Ace of Spade. Um, speaking of Ace of Spade, tangent, speaking of Ace of Spade, I heard that Timberland was scheduled to do a, a DJ set in Michigan, in Flint, or close to Flint, to try to raise money for the water situation down there, and he walked out because they refused to get him the brand of champagne that he requested, which I, which is why I went on this tangent, which was um, uh, Ace of Spade. There's another name, Ace of. What is the proper name of it? Ace of Spade Champagne. What is it really called? Because it's not it's not called Ace of Spade. Armand Brignon. Okay. <laughs> I see why they call it Ace of Spade. Brignac Brignac. No, 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 no. Hold on. Maybe it is because it's it's French and then cognac is French. So Brignac, Brut, Ace of Spade. I guess it is called Ace of Spade. Aside from the obvious French words that are in the title. But yeah, Timberland, man, come on, man. You know better than that, yo. Like, you wasn't always drinking uh, champagne, my nigga. Champagne don't give you a stomach like you had. I've seen you... In the studio, drinking that uh, that cheap ass jug juice from the uh, shit. Shut up. That cheap ass jug juice that uh, that somehow he got in like a gallon, 
He had a gallon of blue juice drinking it in the studio when he was making Dirt Off Your Shoulders or when he played Dirt Off Your Shoulders for Jay-Z. Anyway, Beyonce doesn't get near the credit and shouldn't, in my opinion, get near the credit as far as creating the entity that we now know is Beyonce. Does she have a say? Of course she does. Does she sign off on things and approve certain things? Of course she does. I don't know if she's in in there truly conceptualizing what she wants to do next. I'm not saying she's a puppet. I'm not saying, you know, that there are people that are just kind of in control of the Beyonce brand. I don't think there's anyone more in control of it than her. But I'm pretty sure that there are... Uh, more than handlers, I'm pretty sure there are people that kind of say, okay, this is the direction we need to be kind of going in. What do you think or what input do you have as far as wanting to go in this direction? Well, I want to do, I, we're not talking about that. I want to eat ice cream. for. I, we're not talking about dinner. We're not talking about dinner. <laughs> We're talking about what you want to do in terms of going in this direction. This is what I'm saying. This is what's trending. This is what's going on. And we're going to go somewhat counterculture in this direction. What do you have or what is your input as it pertains to going in this direction? And she may have some really good ideas in that fashion. But as far as, you know, waking up and saying, hmm. I think I want to give like a pseudo revolutionary performance at the Super Bowl. Okay, then I think I want to, you know, okay, for okay, so for instance, if they're like, okay, you donated one point, you and Jay Z have collected, have together donated $1.5 million to Black Lives Matter, which is true. Um, you are a, you, you are very much a pop culture, pop music figure. They are asking you to perform at the Super Bowl. You have this formation video, which is very, not only women's empowering, but very much black, um, black people, black culture focused and empowering. What do you want to do? To cross that over into your Super Bowl performance. Oh, well, why don't we all dress like Black Panthers? Cool. Sounds great. Um, then she has a stylist come in and the stylist says, okay, well, let's do a slight homage to Michael Jackson. Let's have the the, the bullets, the military vibe for you because you're the general. And I, I mean, I feel like the rest of that shit kind of writes itself. Like, Beyonce is the leader, so she's going to have something slightly more um, ornate in terms of her all-black outfit. She's not going to have on a beret because she's gonna, she wants to be Sasha Fierce and flail her hair around. And her performance has to be a little bit more um, enthusiastic than the rest of them. And they, they all can be very uniform. Um, Mike Jack performed as always. Michael Jackson always performed in some kind of uh, military esque garb. So let's do a throwback to that, and let's put the the X across your chest with the bullets. 
um, that'll also be like a throwback to Malcolm X. And then at some point, the women behind you will, quote unquote, get information slash get information. Um, and they'll make an X from the aerial view. And then, yeah. But as far as that whole thing being her idea, no. I'm sure she had key points. And and then, what do you think people, members of her team, are supposed to say when they're asked how much input Beyonce has in it? They're supposed to say that she's the mastermind. They're supposed to say that, yeah, I mean, Beyonce is very influential in her movement, in her public perception, in her... I mean, come on, let's be, let's, I don't know. I don't know. That goes to a really good comment that uh, my man Reese, uh, Reese Rolex, posted on Facebook asking if there's a guy that women, that that men cape for as much as um, women cape for Beyonce. If you're not familiar with the term cape, it's kind of like, uh, it's it's saving, you know, Master P back in the day had a song called Captain Kirk. And then there were uh, there were references to, quote unquote, Captain Kirk ass niggas. Well, ass niggas is like a suffix that we uh, in the new millennium have kind of put on things. But Captain Kirk, Captain Kirk, can you save me? Captain Kirk, I want to have your baby. The the method, the methodology behind that is Captain Kirk was always the coming in saving situations there was all these you know uh james kirk uh captain kirk his first name was james was had a had a reputation of slaying these exotic women from these different planets saving them from their captors saving them from enslavement saving them from this and there are a lot of guys that do that there are a lot of captain kirk ass niggas out here who you know oh you know I got a fat ass, and I got some big titties, but I also got two kids by two different niggas who I knew wasn't shit before I gave them the pussy, and, you know, my cell phone's about to die, you know, and ain't really no food in the house, and there are niggas that will kirk these bitches, aka cape for these hoes, who will save them, who will come in with a trunk full of groceries and look baby this your phone you know what i'm saying you on my family plan so you ain't even got to worry about that bill you know what i'm saying and we're gonna hey let's go to let's go to the gap or old navy real quick and you know jc penny get your kids some clothes probably not because niggas that be on that they not shopping at jc penny's and the and old navy which is if i was in a position if i if i was gonna have to buy a bitch some clothes for some kids that weren't mine um yeah, baby, we going to, uh, <laughs> you lucky I don't treat you like, you know, direct love and have you in, uh, have you in the, the thrift store on Monday for half off day, get your life right. But, um, so caping is a derivative of Captain Kirk, of Kirkin, you know, Captain Kirk and saving these hoes. Don't save us. You don't want to be saved. Same thing. Caping. So the term is, has grown into the question that my man Rolex posed, which was name a man that men cape for the way women cape for Beyonce and women very much cape for Beyonce. 
Um, I will say in this instance, there's a lot of confusion because I see women bigging up the Super Bowl performance and at the same time downing it by comparing it to the Black Panther movement, which Beyonce has in no way claimed to be a part of. And I'm going to get off of this because I've been talking about, about Beyonce for about 30 minutes now. And I'm just not a, I'm not a part of the beehive. I don't want to be attacked by the beehive. I'm not allergic to bees, but I just don't like pulling out stingers. Um, see what I did there. But um I don't I don't think there is one. Um a lot of people said Michael Jordan, but niggas have been I mean, there are niggas who have been mad critical about Jordan and I don't even think niggas have been critical of it. They just don't care. They don't look for Jordan to be a political figure. They look for Jordan to get checks from releasing these old shoes over and over again. And do I like Jordans? Do I buy Jordans? Of course I do. Number one, I'm from Chicago. Michael Jordan is still, in my opinion, the greatest basketball player to ever put on a pair of sneakers. Aside from his um, his mythology on the court, he made it cool to wear long shorts. He made it cool to have your own shoe. Um, he made it cool to wear a hoop earring, which I will be bringing back in the spring. And um, yeah, like it, he's he's the greatest. Um, I don't get off on the weird colorways. There are some Jordans that I'm just not a fan of. I have, there are about, there are about 20 to 25 pairs of Jordans all in their like originally released colorways. I don't get off on this whole, like, I don't need an orange and white one. I don't need a, um, you know, the Gamma 12. I don't need that. He never wore that. I like the ones that he wore. Last pair of Jordans I bought were the Bordeaux. Uh, why was the Bordeaux special to me? Because that's the shoe he had on in the jam video with Michael, with Michael Jackson. So I, I had to have those. Plus, low-key, Bordeaux are a great fall sneaker. There are so many different colors you can rock with it. You can rock green with it. You can rock burgundy with it. You can rock blueberry with it. You can rock gold with it, you know, um, like an Auburn type of gold, kind of rustish kind of. You can really play it hard in the uh, in the fall. Plus, I copped that special edition uh, burgundy Merlot-ish Alpha Industries jacket. So I was, it was flicking, you know. It was, it was really, um, it was on point. But yeah, so, but women cape hard for Beyonce. If you say anything, number one, Beyonce probably has the biggest following, female following, um, female slash homosexual following of any other artist. Uh, Madonna's up there, but Madonna's old. Um, Taylor Swift is up there, but I don't think Taylor Swift has the, the gay following that Beyonce does. Um, Gaga... Gaga has a huge gay following. Not as many black women mess with Gaga like that. But um, Beyonce probably has the largest following. Female slash homosexual following. The beehive is ferocious. Um, and then I'd even get, I mean, Bruno Mars killed it. I'm kind of tired of that song, though. I really want him to have another banger because that Uptown Funk song, um... Uh, it's getting played like when he came out and that was how many times can you really do that same choreography like it's cool and it works and um older white women love it and they know it but i, I need you to hit i need you to hit me with something else 
he's consistently had hits though. Like Catch a Grenade was hot. Nothing on you, which I'm pretty sure is what introduced us to Bruno Mars was hot. Um But Uptown Funk, I mean I, I need something else. And I don't think uh Mark Ronson gets enough credit for that song because he uh, I'm sure Bruno Mars wrote it, but he produced it. And Bruno Mars plays instruments, too, so that's a little bit more of a blurry line. But that sounds like a Mark Ronson song. If you don't know Mark Ronson, uh, he was kind of the mastermind, along with the Dap Kings, behind Amy Winehouse's Back in Black album. Um, but yeah, he killed it. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of that song, though. Um, let's get into some sports now, actually. Some sports aspects of the Super Bowl. The, the, the most important... Part of the Super Bowl, the fucking game. Um, I knew when they didn't overturn that call that the fix was in. As soon as I saw them not overturn that call, I was like, okay, I, I see what's going on here. I know exactly what's going on here. They are going to give it to him. He's going to win the Super Bowl and ride off into the sunset. And Cam is not going to have a shot. That catch that was ruled incomplete, was it bobbled? Yes, it was bobbled. Did he bring it in before he hit the ground? He totally did. Did the ball touch the ground? No, it didn't. No, it didn't. That should have been a huge completion. That would have changed the momentum of the game. Why was that important? Because Cam Newton... (sighs) And I want a cape for Cam. I want a cape for Cam. I wanted to, like, listen. And I'll get to that. I wanted to cape for Cam. I wanted him, when, when that pass wasn't completed, I knew it was going to be a long day. What I don't, a, a, a thread that should have been spoken about way more in this game, especially amongst the black community, was that, Peyton Manning was a very, very, very small part of the Denver Broncos' success this year, which hasn't been much. I mean, the Denver Broncos' record this year was what? Denver Broncos' record. Here we go. This year, the Denver Broncos' record was 12-4. and Not bad. Not bad. Better than I thought, actually. Um, But it was not it was not about um, Peyton Manning. Brock Osweiler, I'm pretty sure, won a couple of those games. Brock Osweiler wins this season. Um, They're not gonna show me that. Let Broncos to a win under the Patriots. He beat the Patriots. Yeah, I don't. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Nothing is wrong with your uh your computer. You're not buffering. Shouts out to Gus. Brock Osweiler. They're not showing. They're not giving it to me. I don't know how many games he won this season. But, um, okay, wait. So he played. 
Hold on. That was that was a Super Bowl. He didn't play in that game. So did he play? I guess he played. He beat Pittsburgh. He beats the, he beat the Patriots. He lost to Kansas City, and he beat the Bears. So he he played he played some good games. He's by, he has a way better arm than Peyton Manning. If you don't know, if you haven't listened to the Pie Father as I have, Peyton Manning's arm has been shot this year. Okay, Peyton Manning has uh, fused disc in his neck. He can't turn around. He can't fully turn left and right. Would it, he can't fully turn his head left and right. Like his he's his throwing arm, he said it if it gets to a certain temperature, like he already on a normal day, on a good day, he can't feel some of his fingers. They're tingling in his fingers. And if he gets out there on the field and it's cold, he can't feel his whole right arm. So this the the story of this should not be Peyton Manning. It's only Peyton Manning because he's white. Because he's old and because we think he's going to retire. The Denver defense is the shit. Top ranked defense in the NFL because they have to make up for the um, for the lackluster performance of their quarterback. (coughs) Um, DeMarco Ware. Is that his name? Um, My man who won the MVP. That uh, Sean tried to be funny and said I looked like Denver defense. Um, Von Miller killed it. My one homie was a, a little bit too um, too anxious. He almost ripped my boy's head off. Um, that wasn't that wasn't Tlaib. I can't remember what his name was. Uh, Denver defense roster. Um, where is his name? Cause he's got like a, a very ethnic name. <laughs> that was rude. Oh shit, 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 shit. Where's I need? I probably I probably should have had E on here. Demarcus Ware, okay, he but he he just came over. Maybe it is a keep to leap. A keep to leap had one of the ugliest face mask calls I've ever seen. My man ripped dude's head around. He easily could he easily could have gave him the uh, the Peyton Manning. But um the Denver and the, and then the Denver defense are a bunch of. I don't want to say they old niggas, but they're older black men. So let's let's just juxt, let's put it, set up a little juxtaposition here. Pardon me. Denver Denver Broncos. Um, classic style of football, defense oriented, hard nose, not a lot of celebrating. Um, very blue collar. The sum of all your parts type of situation. On the other side of that, you have almost a complete paradigm shift when you have the Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers took their Super Bowl picture all dabbing. 
the dance dabbing, as me and Phil cleared up last last week. Cam Newton, Wardo's tight ass, Versace pants, shows his ankles a lot in terms of, you know, rocking the um the loafers with no socks and then the slightly the slightly tapered not flooding pant, but it floats. It's a floating pant. I personally I like a break, one break. This is this is intense um tailoring talk in terms of suits and clothing. A lot of you um you Robin Jean wear niggas. A lot of you Steve Harvey suit wear niggas might want to do some research here. But the break, the break is um, similar to um, uh, I like the, the the break is what is considered what happens when your pants, the bottom of your pants meets the top of your shoe. Some people like it to float, which means that the pant will hover one or two inches above the shoe, which really means you have to be on top of your sock game. Um, I prefer one break, which means that when my pant hits my shoe, there is one if it's a so if you take it from the, the crease, right? The crease starts right at your hip. Goes down the length of your pant leg, and as it hits your shoe, there is one zigzag, which is a break. I like my pants to have one break right at the bottom, um, which is very different from the quote-unquote stack of my jeans on my sneakers. The stack, I'm using quotes here because I'm giving y'all a little fashion lesson. Take notes, you non-dressing-ass niggas. So the stack is the the gathering or the bunching of your jeans generally between your the the top of your sneaker and your kneecap it's a, it's a gathering the bunching um one thing i do and i i don't give out these secrets much so take notes the way i get my stack right put on my jeans put on my sneakers <coughs> I will take my pants, unbutton, unzip my pants, put them down to my sneakers like I'm taking a shit, like, you know, bunch them down at the bottom, and then I will pull my jeans back up slowly and adjust the stack of my pants at my shoes and my sneakers and my jeans, making sure that, you know, the tongue is represented, adjust the tightness of the shoe, if I'm in Tim's, make sure my socks aren't showing, but make sure my tongue is, is flapping. Make sure my Timberlands uh, tag is out. I know this is a lot of conversation, but Cam doesn't do that. Cam floats his jeans or floats his, his pants, shows either ankle or sock. A lot of ankle from what I've seen in his press conferences. You also have on defense Josh Norman for the Panthers. Um... He has one of those weird haircuts. Uh, at one point, he had one of those, you know, like Afro Mohawks. Shouts out to Chief. Me and you brought the Mohawk back in, what was that, 2001, 2002? I was in the basement. I was like, Chief, I think I want you to cut me a Mohawk, my G. Went to school the next day. 
Niggas had questions, but niggas respected it because they knew Rojo was a trendsetter. At any rate, he had one of those like Afro Mohawk things. Now I think he has um, like the shaved on the side, but the twisty dreadlock type of thing on the top. <coughs> Again, Carolina is young, flashy, new money type of situation. Broncos, older, a little bit more classic, old money situations. You can't tell me that as opposing forces, these old, and I'm just going to speak freely now, these old niggas didn't want to come in here and show these young boys. Even if it was with love and with respect, they have to show, those old dogs have to show that these new niggas can't just walk in here acting like they just going to run off with the game and going to dance in their face and all that other shit. The story in no way was about Peyton Manning. The mainstream and the media are going to make it about Peyton Manning because uh, he's old and white, but they are not going to make it. They're not going to outline what the true tale here was, what the true um, what the what the real essence of this game was, which was very much old black versus young black. And that's why these old niggas came in here and they dominated. I mean, they made it clear that they was trying to they, they wanted to get Cam frustrated. They wanted to test his his mental stability and they wanted to see if he could withstand adversity. And he proved that he couldn't. Nobody wanted Cam to win more than me, more than the young, conscious, progressive black man. Because not only do we want to win the way we want to win, but we want to lose in a way that proves people wrong in terms of what they think black men do or handle adversity. Uh, me and E were talking about this on the phone yesterday. Nothing I wanted more than Cam to score those touchdowns. Dad, you know, he, he does his little sign every first down, you know. Boom, first down, nigga, in your face. And I love it. Please, rub your success all in these white motherfuckers' faces. Please. White haters, not white, you know, um... Not not all white people are evil, I guess. Um, Phil's Phil's a great guy. Um, I know some you know white people that are cool, sure. Um, but also, I wanted you to lose with dignity. I wanted you to take your lumps, take your defeats, in the same fashion. With the same, I mean, obviously you can't have the same enthusiasm for losing as you do for winning, but with the same, um, I don't know. I wanted you to lose with class, and that's not what happened. In the post-game interview, he came out there with a hood on. You know, he was giving everybody short one-word answers, and eventually when he had enough, he walked off. The next day, or the, the, the two days after, he had a little bit more time to think about it. Um, the main quote that everybody is using is, if you show me a good loser, I'll show you a loser. And he talks about, you know, how 
He's admitted to being a sore loser. He doesn't like to lose. He really enjoys winning. If you show me a sore loser, I'll show you a loser. Number one, newsflash, my G, nobody likes losing. Nobody does. But as I said earlier, when you win with such enthusiasm and fanfare, you can't come out and act like a bitch when you lose. As my man K-Dot, a.k.a. Kendrick Lamar, because I knew him as K-Dot first, as he stated so eloquently, you can't act like no bitch. That only got Tyler Perry famous. So, I, I mean, I told E the other day, if I, was, if I was one of Cam's mans, if I was his handler, if I was his um, publicist, which I don't know if these people, if these guys have them, um, I wouldn't have taken any questions. I would have made a statement, but I wouldn't have taken any questions. I would have came out there um, in my, the same suit I had on if I planned on winning, because we know he had a suit. We know he had an outfit for when he won. I would have brought a losing outfit. It wouldn't have been my Carolina clothes unless we just got fucking molly whopped 40, you know, like like Denver got whooped by Seattle the last time they was in the Super Bowl, uh, 40, 42 to 9 or something crazy like that. But I would have had a suit. I would have had an outfit for sure because I'm a fly nigga. I wouldn't have took no questions. No questions. I would have came out. How's everybody doing? I have a statement. Not going to take any questions. Um, first off, I want to give a, uh, I want to congratulate Peyton and the Denver Broncos. They played a hell of a game. Um, Peyton has, um, he has, he has truly written a storybook ending for himself. Um, the best of luck to him in whatever his future endeavors are, whether he decides to ride off into the sunset after this win or, um, you know, come back for another year or whatever his decision is. I fully support it. It was great being able to be across the field from a a legend as himself. Um, I hope one day to also ride off into the sunset the way he has with his career. Hats off to the Denver defense. They've been the number one defense in the league all year. Um, They showed us something that we hadn't seen. They threw us off our game early. And um, all respect to them and their MVP, Mr. Von Miller. Um, respect to my team. We had a hell of a season. Seventeen and one, sixteen and one, whatever it was. We made some mistakes today. Um, got a little frustrated. Uh, saw some things we hadn't seen earlier in the season. Um, dropped some passes, missed some cues. But we, as a team, have nothing to hold our head about. We had an incredible season, and um, we're young, we're talented, we'll be back. Um, Shouts out to Miss Beyonce. She looked wonderful on stage. Um, Loved the message as a black man, as an African-American. Loved the message. Loved what she came out in in the performance. Bruno Mars, Coldplay, they killed it. Um, Right now, I'm just going to go back, see my family. Um... Review the game with my team. Review our wonderful season. And, um, yeah, I just want to be with my team. want to be with my family. Thank you, everybody, for your support. Sorry, I won't be taking any questions. But um, y'all have a great day. And uh, thanks for coming out to the Super Bowl. Walk off with dignity, with pride, looking like a motherfucking G. That's what I would have did if I was king. And niggas would have had something to say about it, but niggas going to have something to say about everything. 
what they can't say is that you didn't talk to him and that you um, acted like a baby. You came out and you gave a very good speech and you made a great statement addressing everything that they could have possibly wanted to ask you. I don't know. I wanted Cam to be great. I wanted him to be great. And I'm, I'm almost positive that this is something that he will look back at five years from now, hopefully, and will say, you know what? I could have handled that better. I won't say that he'll say he regretted it um, because sometimes you got you to gotta do shit like this for somebody to tell you that you did it wrong for you to do it better next time. But uh, I'm almost positive that at some point he will look back at this and at least acknowledge that he could have handled it better. But I ain't mad because he'll be back next year and I'll probably kill it unless they blow up the team and try to get somebody that can actually catch a fucking ball, Ted Ginn. Um, Keeping with football. If you don't know who Johnny Manziel is, Johnny Manziel is a Heisman Trophy winner. He went to Texas A&M, shook up the world. He was born December uh, 6th. He's a fellow Sagittarius, unfortunately. Fortunately, whatever. And I think he's an alcoholic. Or just like maybe, maybe he's just addicted to the party. Um, I believe this is if he played this would have this is this this past season was his second season in the U in the uh the NFL. First season he had a couple good games. In the offseason he went to rehab because he went to um because he's he's a drinker, he's a partier, and there were I think there were some Thoughts that he was doing a little coke, doing a little coke at the parties, you know. When you got when you got money and you don't have nothing to worry about, when you ain't got to worry about nothing, I feel like doing coke can come naturally. Um, if you don't know, he he got he came into prominence by doing the the money, you know, the money symbol where you rub your thumb and your 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 middle finger and your your pointer, you you know, the money symbol, getting that cheddar. He did that. He he that would be like his his money sign. He did that when he got he did that on stage when he got drafted. He used to do it when he scored touchdowns in high in college. Very some shit that comes from the black community, but if a black person did it on the stage that he did it at, they would definitely get crucified. They would definitely be um all types of thugs and all types of, you know, immature. And some people called Johnny this from doing it, but a lot of people didn't. A lot of people just, you know, chalked it up as, um, you know, always having fun. Oh, he's, you know, enthusiastic about winning. <coughs> Very similar to all the shit that they shit on Cam about. Johnny Manziel does with no problem. Well... This is the second or third time he has been in the news for slapping around his girlfriend. Um, Apparently, this last time got pretty intense. They were arguing in the hotel room, walking out of the hotel room. 
somebody heard him say something to the effect of shut the fuck up or I'll kill both of us, which really scares me. That's like some vanilla sky type shit. Like, you know, that's why I really don't be wanting to let women drive now because I don't want you driving me off the fucking road because you crazy. (coughs) But apparently he hit his uh, now ex-girlfriend so hard that he uh, he gave her the Robin Givens. He ruptured her eardrum. Knocked the shit out of Ruptured her left eardrum. Um, and everybody, all of the, the quotes, all of the... Excuse me. All of the talk from... The, the media, as far as Johnny Menzel is concerned, is he needs help. You know, very much like when uh, Dylan Roof ran up into that church and killed all those black people. It was, you know, it's a, it's a mental thing. He needs help. He needs counseling. Not he's crazy. He has issues. He has an anger problem. In Dylan Roof's case, he's racist or he's been brainwashed by some kind of racist entity. No. He needs help. He needs, you know, he needs guidance. He needs structure in his life. Johnny Manziel is a, is a, um, he's a loose cannon. He is um, a white boy who has had way too much freedom, who has been, you know, laughed at. And crowned when he probably should have been sat the fuck down and and really chastised and really, you know, possibly gotten his ass whooped. But when you're talented in certain areas, a lot of times there is a hesitancy to take away what may make you great. I use this um, <coughs> I use this analogy often. There are certain diseases that give you um, that give you pleasing physical attributes, you know, like David Bowie. Um, has different colored eyes. One eye is I think one eye is brown and one eye is blue or some weird shit like that. That is a defect. Heterochromia, heterochromia, a condition in which a person has two different iris colors. It's hereditary and usually harmless, and the condition is, in fact, much more common in dogs and cats and horses. Uh, Heterochromia can be expressed as two outright different colors, like actress Kate Bosworth's hazel right eye and blue left eye. Like Mila Kunis's, which are lighter brown in one eye and a darker tinge in the other. Um, it can also cause a person to have plus size, uh, different size pupils. So, although when you look at him, you're like, whoa, like that's like very, it's breathtaking, it's really cool. That's like a fucking defect, you know? Um, uh, Bigfoot Silva, who is a um, uh, MMA fighter, 
or George Marison, who was a basketball player for a couple years, who grew to be 7'7", I believe, 7'6", something like that. He had a pituitary gland um, issue. The pituitary gland is the gland, um, I can't remember where in your brain exactly it's placed, but it's what controls the release of growth hormone within the body. So obviously it's activated um, when you're in the womb in the first in the when you're in the womb because that's the fastest you grow. You grow the fastest in the womb and then you have uh, during puberty you have your growth spurt then as well. So that's all controlled by the uh, the pituitary gland. But in the case of George Mirasan and in the case of Bigfoot Silva, they have um, gargantuism which is a um, a condition that causes the pituitary gland to either produce too much growth hormone or to not know when to stop releasing it. The same can be said for quarterbacks like possibly Johnny Manziel, but like Brett Favre and like um, Tony Romo, like Michael Vick where their deficiencies in decision-making can sometimes work out to their advantage. You know, Brett Favre was notorious for throwing balls that, um, or making passes that coaches or um, analysts would say were terrible passes. They probably should have taken a sack on that. But, The flip side to that coin is that when they make that ill-advised pass and it goes in or somebody catches it or it makes, you know, it splits two defenders and the person makes the catch, they get confused into thinking that this is a system that works um, consistently and it's not. And it could be thought that Johnny's free spirit, that his... Um, lack of respect for authority, that his tendency to deviate from the playbook. All of these things can work out great on the football field, but if that's your if that's your rational thinking in life, then you could end up, you know, bonking your head, your 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 girlfriend in the ear and busting an eardrum. But what's interesting to me is the coverage of it, the inconsistent coverage of the issue. Racially Primarily, because when Adrian Peterson whooped his whooped his son, and albeit he did leave some marks that could identify that it the the whooping could have been more severe than it should have been. Oh, he was taken to jail right away. He was he was definitely suspended for a full year. Um, Ray Rice Ray Rice's name isn't mentioned outside of the context of him being a woman beater anymore. Money Mayweather isn't mentioned outside of the context, very rarely is mentioned outside of the context of him having domestic violence issues. But when it comes up with Johnny Manziel, he has issues. He may need help. I think that's bullshit. I, for once, agree with uh, ESPN's lead coon, Stephen A. Smith. I think league-wide, Johnny Manziel should not be allowed to participate in any NFL. He shouldn't be entertained by any NFL teams. He shouldn't be interviewed. 
he shouldn't be allowed to participate or be associated with the NFL at least for one year. And um, even after that, should have to go through some heavy vetting, should have something to show that he has in some way attempted to atone for uh, his transgressions. I also hear that now they are adding this to the scouting combine. If you've had any domestic issues um, on your record or if you've been linked to any physical domestic shit, then you won't be invited to the NFL Combine. Now, I, I feel like just slapping that across as a generality is wrong because there can be situations that can be called. Number one, I think it depends on the severity of the charge or the severity of the, you know, what, what, what can be found as far as investigating the situation. Let's say the guy was 16. He was walking down. Uh, let's say he's 16 and lives in Chicago. Uh, let's say he's walking down State Street with his girlfriend. They are in a heated argument. Um, the girl starts to slap at and hit the guy. He grabs her, shakes her, possibly pushes her up against the wall mainly in an attempt to stop the physicality on both ends and to kind of get her attention um, and to, you know, in some way possibly bring calmness to the situation, which I know could possibly be hard to understand. And before anything else is done, police run onto the scene, grab him up, arrest him, and take him into custody. That can be seen as a domestic dispute and that could keep you from uh, being invited to the combine and um, not being able to fulfill your destiny as possibly a football player. I think that's a very different situation than Johnny Manziel being drunk, walking out of a hotel room, saying audibly where other people can hear, shut the fuck up or I'll kill both of us, showing suicidal tendencies as well. I think those are two very different situations and scenarios. And I don't think that the transgressions of one should cause a blanket, um, a blanket rule change, staunch rule change at that for everyone. I think everything needs to kind of be taken on a step by on a, on a case by case basis. I get why the NFL is doing it because they're trying to, you know, um, they're trying to make the NFL very woman friendly and very, uh, they have had some pretty severe domestic violence, black eyes. Like I'm not at all trying to diminish the effect or uh, downplay that Ray Rice shit. Like that video was pretty fucking rough. He hit her with a a hard right left. It was a left. I think it was a left. Uh, he popped her good, knocked her out, and then once you see that angle of him trying to drag her out of the uh, out of the the elevator. Oh my gee. That just made it worse. But, um, you know, and then the Greg Hardy situation. And then there's been a couple white players that have beat up their wives or girlfriends, which I'm ashamed to say that I don't know white NFL players guilty of domestic violence. 
it's hard for me to name them because of the current the uh the amount of press that the black players get but it's nowhere near the amount of press that the white players get they almost try to hide the white players and their reputation as having issues with their women which i mean issues with women that just comes with being a man like (laughs) you're gonna have disagreements with women regardless black white mexican whatever the fuck But yeah, it's just can I really not find any? Hold on. I'm sorry, I just really wanna Thomas Kaiser. I swear to Walcott. I don't know if he's white. I'm pretty sure uh, that dude Thomas Kaiser is white though. Chris Rainey. Oh, he's black. I mean, I don't know. Again, I feel like there's a, and that could there could be a lot of other things that go into that too. From somewhat what I'm seeing, from so far what I'm seeing, it, there are a lot of black players that have had domestic issues, but. I'm sure there are white ones, too. They're just not as heavily reported and um, and kept track of. Nate Allen. Who's Nate Allen? I'm just picking out white-sounding names at this point. It's kind of rough. White NFL players arrested. Come on, give me something good. Well, it says right here, black NFL players arrested nearly 10 times as often as white players. I don't think that's just, um, I don't think that's based on the offenses as well. I think that's based on uh, white police officers, most police officers uh, being white, which will take me into my next topic. I posted this picture on um on Facebook the other day showing the new class of um, the new class of officers that just got uh, that just came out of the academy now Fox News not Fox News like the, the broad joint but Fox News Fox 32 which I guess is the same shit right <clears throat> They trolled us a little bit because the picture on the... So, congrats, uh, congratulations to new officers of the Chicago Police Department and those promoted to leadership roles. And then the picture on the cover of the article shows all white officers with, you know, dickhead-ass Rahm Emanuel sitting in the, in the middle. So, that's clickbait. That's something that... White motherfuckers will jump on right, or black motherfuckers will jump on right away, blindly saying, "Look at all these white motherfucking racist cops that they just brought into the damn shit." There's more white motherfuckers to be out here killing niggas. And that's very true. But if you click on the picture, there are three other pictures associated with it. <clears throat> 
that have black officers in it. Now, is it an equal amount of black officers to white officers? Hell no. Is it um is it a third of the officers that are in it? No. <laughs> no. There's eleven. Eleven out of two, four, six. I mean, this picture probably has twenty people in it. Uh, this picture, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, three rows. Um, eight times three is 24. So 24 times three, 24 times three, 12, six, 72. 72 officers, 11 of them are black. And there's a couple women in here, but I'm, don't let, don't get me started about female police officers. Because um, if you try to arrest me, you better bring your A-game, baby. <laughs> you better bring your A-game, baby, because I'm not going peacefully. But, um, yeah, like, I don't know why more black people don't sign up to be police officers. Probably because we know it's a thankless job. And, a lot I mean, a lot of white people don't want to don't be police officers. It's more of a family thing. You know, my dad was a cop. My uncle was a cop. My granddad was a cop. Very much like the military. Very few people wake up or grow up wanting to be in the armed forces if they don't know or have family members that are in the armed forces. That's something that is very much, um, it's very much like a, uh, it's like a tradition. Hold on, I want to send this message real quick. I wanted to say something about... Your sister's birthday, but I only remember her as the nice sister and didn't want to start any drama with the mean one. <laughs> he knows what that says. He knows who that message was to. hilarious anyway let's run through some of these other uh issues um yeah so all of these white cops i'm sure will be policing this new cabrini green area right for those who don't know cabrini green how can i make you know cabrini green um have you heard of a little show called good times yeah they lived in cabrini green have you seen a little horror movie that took place in Chicago called Candyman? Candyman was from Cabrini Green. If you've heard me talk about my love, my heart, my Uncle Reggie. Uncle Reggie and his eight brothers? Nine brothers? Uncle Reggie and his brothers were born, I'm pretty sure they were born, mostly raised in Cabrini Green before they moved to the south side of Chicago. Cabrini Green was one of the hardest projects in Chicago. Um, they gentrified and tore it down like they did um, the Ickies, like they did Ida B. Wells, and moved a lot of those people. They, they, re, um, they moved Section 8 housing to predominantly the suburbs, 
which moved a lot of the black people who inhabited those projects um, into the suburbs. Um, Cabrini Green is now offering studio apartments starting at $1,800. They have totally transformed the area. Um, there's a REI at the end of the block. There are, I mean, that whole area is that, that's not considered river North, is it? What is that called? I can't really, um, if you're from Chicago, when you get to Cabrini green is that big space on division and Halstead. Division and Halstead is basically where Cabrini Green is. Condos there have shot up, and they've there are lots of um, you know new businesses. There's like a slightly industrial area over there that a lot of businesses have bought up to like have their to make their offices there and whatnot. And um, it it amazes me that they've turned this this neighborhood, which was. Um, was it, was there some violence going on there? Of course it was. Whenever you put any race of people in that close proximity of each other, there's going to be a little jostling for position and for comfort. And yes, there were some issues there as far as violence was concerned. Um, but those houses were never built to be inhabited by that many people. We're talking about the, the old school cinder block style project buildings, um, you know, the, the terraces had to be covered with gates as to not let people be thrown off of the, the, the tiers, um, elevators rarely worked. And when they did, they smelled like piss. Occasionally you'd find somebody sleeping in there. Really, really rough, shitty situations. And instead of improving the situations for the people that lived there, they shipped them out to the suburbs, uh, made the same type of buildings that could have been made for the people that lived there, and hiked up the prices to astronomical figures. As me and Phil talked about, this is uh, gentrification. It is not the best system in terms of improving a city or improving the people's lives in the city. It's really just a way to get more money. All you Apple heads. Apple heads. That's a good one. I'm really just speaking to people who have Apple phones or who fuck with uh, the iPhone. I, I've never had an iPhone. I am, however, on my second MacBook. Um, stepped it up this time, got the MacBook Pro. I got my first one in, what, like 2009? 2009, I got my first MacBook. Um, I love Apple computers. I don't think I would ever buy anything as far as a computer that wasn't an Apple. I like them a lot. Um, never had a, a virus. Um, they're sleek looking. Um, big fan. I have never had an iPhone, never really had the desire to have an iPhone. I've always been a fan of the much more um, customizable and um, 
I don't know. I'm a, I'm a, I, I, you know, I've had the HTC Hero. Right now, I have the um, the Galaxy Note Five. Before that, I had the Galaxy S3 and the Galaxy S5, and then that one uh, I damaged it and was able to go in and get the Galaxy S6. Samsung has been ahead of the curve on a lot on most technology. I mean. Samsung was the first to have the fingerprint shit. Samsung was the first to have uh, the waterproof phone. You know, they had the thing where that was a little annoying. The fact that you had to like, uh, it was like a where you charge the charge port was covered with like this weird. It wasn't weird. The charge port had a covering thing that you had to like snap in, but it caused the phone to be waterproof. You could drop it in. I mean, you couldn't go swimming with it in your pocket, but you could drop it in a decent amount of water and it would still be safe. Um, Samsung kind of revolutionized a lot of cell phone shit that Apple refuses to just put into every phone. Like there's shit that I've been able to do with my phone since the Galaxy S3 that Apple users or iPhone users are just now getting like um, the heart rate monitor or the touch sensitive screen where like you can put your finger on something and it won't like click it. It'll just like enlarge it or it'll give you a different option, a different option for it. Samsung been doing that shit. And all of my and all of my research as far as cell phones are concerned. I've realized that there are really only three major advantages to having an iPhone. The first one is everybody has one. Everybody has an iPhone. You can all you can go to a, if you're walking through an airport and you don't have your charger, you can pretty much stand in the middle and say, "Hey, anybody got an iPhone charger?" and you'll have if they want to let you use it, you'll have 10 people that have an iPhone charger. So that's number 1. Everybody has it. Number 2, app and accessory developers, they make shit for the iPhone first. Why wouldn't they when the first point is clear? Everybody has one. And three this is my third point. The Apple Store. I, my charger for my Samsung Note, um, by the way, the best charger was that S3 charger with the, the mini USB and the other shit. That was the best charger for the, for the Samsung. My mom take, took her phone to the Apple store. Something was wrong with it. They immediately gave her a new phone. There is no Samsung store. And their customer service sucks. Their phone customer service, I'm pretty sure they're still using somebody in, in Bali or New Delhi or some slightly third worldish country, uh, possibly Flint, Michigan. But um, those are really the main three options or the, the, the best three reasons to have an iPhone. Everyone has one. Developers and accessory makers, they make shit for the iPhone first and the the Apple store. Because if you have an issue, there's somewhere where you can go right away to either get a diagnostics run on it or have them just replace your equipment. Other than that, this Error 53 shit, now you can't even take your phone to a third-party repair person or repair shop and get a new screen replaced get um nothing nothing that you nothing you have to take it to an apple store and they will do it for you 
I thought that this was just something that may affect old Apple phones. Oh, no. If you have a 6, a 6S, 6S Plus, and you take your phone to get serviced by a third-party dealer, you take it to my man Baruch, who has Barracuda computers, you take it to... um, one of these, uh, one of these uh, Groupon spots that'll give you, you know, fifty dollars off your iPhone repair. Uh, uh-uh. uh. When you try to go and update that joint, you're gonna get this error fifty three message that basically renders your phone useless. And when you take it to the Apple Store, they ain't gonna do nothing for you, boo. They got, they got nothing for you. Just another way Apple is squeezing the competition, really making it so that you have to go through them for everything. You know, at one point I had a theory I didn't want an iPhone because at some point I think that and and Apple proved this with not only this era 53, but also with when you updated your computer, when you updated your version of iTunes, that weird U2 album uh, showed up in your iTunes. You're like, whoa, what, what is this? Man hugging this other man on this cover. I don't remember downloading this album. Oh, it's the new U2 album. Thanks, Apple, for just force-feeding me some shit on my computer. I have a theory that at some point, much like iRobot, you haven't seen iRobot, check it out. Um, Apple is going to command all of its products to come alive, to transform into small robots, and to enslave the human, uh, the human race. Which is why I didn't want an iPhone because I didn't want it to be in my front or back pocket when it decides to turn into a robot and rip up my ass cheek or cut my balls off. I have a computer. I can step on it. I can throw it against the wall. I think I would fare okay fighting my MacBook, which turned into a robot. A cell phone in my pocket, not so much. Um, But yeah, this is just more of a reason and more of a more of a proof, uh, more proof that, you know, um, Apple is an army, better yet a navy, and um, they want supreme control over technology, over who you allow to repair your phone. They want you to come to that Apple store for all of your Apple product needs, and they don't want you go. I wonder if that. I wonder if I'll get an Air Fifty Three on my my old MacBook if I tried to update it. Because I went in, uh, so like my my old MacBook is from 09, but I still use it for a lot of shit. And um, my ex had gotten a iPad Mini, and I wanted to like put music on it, put shit on it, but I hadn't, I didn't have an updated enough version of um, the Apple OS to do it. So I had to go and buy this old update disc because they didn't have the update for that on the Apple uh the Apple store anymore. So I had to buy this old disc off eBay, get that, put it on my computer, then update that. Then once I got that update, I had to get the update from the Apple store and then the computer worked. So it was just this whole rigmarole they took me through to make me buy an updated OS. And um and like comply with their systems, but I did at one point. I, I got my my screen cracked, and I went and got it fixed from a third party joint, which was like half the price of getting it fixed at the Apple Store. So I wonder if I if that applies to computers too. That would suck in. 
that would fucking suck, I guess. But yeah, uh, last topic. Kanye changed the album, the title to his album again. So let's just review. The first title was Swish. Swish gave us such hits, <coughs> partial hits, I guess, as All Day. The Paul McCartney song, which was really cute with um, about it. I can't remember the name of that weak ass song. But um, that um, Wolves with Sia and Vic Mensa. Then we had the first name change, which was the change to Waves. He changed it to Waves, which uh, we all know gave us the epic Twitter beef between him and one Wiz Khalifa, which was it was very it was entertaining to a certain point. Um, I think Wiz really put on well for the reputation of stoners and weed smokers. I think Kanye crossed the line and furthered the narrative of him kind of being bitchy and somewhat femalian in his um, in his rants and his over his overly emotional responses to things. Um, KK is not just Kim Kardashian; it is also Khalifa Kush. Um, and now we have the life of Pablo. Um, I just want to make this clear. Kanye West is neither Pablo Picasso or Pablo Escobar. So I don't know why he's comparing himself to these figures. Um, He, in my opinion, is building this album up to be a huge letdown. There is such thing as there is such thing as too much hype. Right. Like, um. Let's say you're dealing with a girl, right? Y'all haven't had sex yet, but you talking that shit. Oh, bitch, I'm going to lay it down on you. Oh, man. This has happened to me once in life. Not that I did all this talking, but I just, I passed my my ripeness. I elongated the, um, there was two, there was almost, there was so much anticipation that it was just, you know what? We're just not going to do this. Um, so you, you're messing with this chick. You, oh, baby, wait till I wait till you wait till I put it on you. Listen, oh, I'm about to the lining out. <laughs> Feel me. I'm about to have you <laughs> walking like you ain't had a, <laughs> in a couple years. I'm telling you, I'm about to get the <laughs> and I'm about to do the who and you're going to be. Ah. You do so much of that. So much of that. And then, you know, you had too many shots at the club. You get to a crib too sloppy. And you pop off in, you know, five minutes and 38 seconds before you really even get to, you know, stroke out. I feel like this is what's going to happen with this Kanye album. At this point, all the promotion, all the name changes, all the... Um, the beef with Wiz, all the pictures of Amber and Kim. There is no way this album can live up to the hype it has produced. 
this is one of those situations where too much talk can be to can be bad. I'm a fan of never having bad publicity, but there can be too much publicity. You can, you know, hype yourself up too much, which is something that I have I I haven't done as a as an adult. There have been some situations where there's some anticipation. I just like to let it simmer, you know? I just like to let it simmer. Let you think about it on your own a little bit, you know? But I'm excited to hear it. Am I excited to see this Yeezy 3 collection? Not really. I mean, there's really nothing about his collection to me so far that has been really inspiring. I mean, he's he has definitely um, shown the power of his hype machine, that he can put out just about anything and people will suck his dick about it. Um, that's not how I want to be. At this point, Kanye really doesn't have any standards. There is no standard for failure for him because anything he puts out is going to be highly regarded. A lot of it is the tendency of our culture right now and our culture as a whole, pop culture, um, to just like crown people and to just jump on bandwagons. Like there are people that are hype beasts that don't even know they're hype beasts that try to reject the the thought or the um, the notion that they're hype beasts. Um, and that in itself makes you a hype beast. The fact that you're so aware of what you do or don't subscribe to, that puts you in the same boat, my G. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm anxious to see it just because I'm anxious to see it and to see if in any way it can live up to the hype it's created for itself. But I don't know. This is just like him when he was going on those rants about him being Steve Jobs or him being, you know, Walt Disney. Like, who said you wanted to, you wanted, to, we wanted you to be them niggas or you should be them niggas? We want you to be the best Kanye possible. So I don't know. That's, that's my, that's my last two cents. And that also brings us into the end of the Rojo show. Listen, episode 34. Hit me up on email, show at gmail.com. Facebook page, The Rojo Show. Um, I'm about to get real active on Twitter, so hit me up on Twitter at Under Rojo. Um, please hit me up on SoundCloud, The Rojo Show. Um, iTunes, Shy Rojo presents The Rojo Show. Stitcher, everywhere you can get a everywhere you can get a podcast, you can get this one. Check me out. Um, I'll be back next week. And as always, if you're not sharing. You're not a fan. Peace. One.